Welcome to World Policy on Air, a weekly podcast from the pages and website of World Policy Journal, published by the nonprofit World Policy Institute in New York. I'm David Alpern. In this week's program, posting March 4, 2016, we talk with Burundi-born Amilcar Meko, now a Canadian political advisor, about the debate over crimes against humanity in his home country, what is and isn't being done. We'll also point out top features in the WPJ winter issue, Latin America on life support. You're listening to World Policy on Air. Now this. How do you, do you send troops supposedly to protect civilians against crimes against humanity, against genocide, against crimes of war, as if... You have an indication to that. Where, where is, what are the reports? Could you find me a single report that clearly indicates that, that Burundi is heading towards genocide? Despite more than 400 deaths involving forces and supporters of the Burundi government, opposition militants, and familiar Hutu-Tutsi ethnic divisions, Burundi Foreign Minister Alain Niametwe's argument held sway at the 26th Annual Summit of the African Union earlier this year. Instead of a proposed mission for prevention and protection in Burundi, Maprobu, the decision was to give diplomacy a new chance to bring peace. But the debate and the violence continue, with at least five more killed and 50 injured in subsequent weeks. Burundi native Amilcar Riumeko, a former political advisor in the government of Canada's Quebec province, considered the threat, the AU response, and what might happen next for the World Policy blog. His post is headlined, Crimes Against Humanity in Burundi, and we discussed it recently for this podcast. Amilcar Riumeko, welcome to World Policy on Air. Thank you for receiving me. We should start with some background. Talk about the allegation that Burundi's president actually violated the Constitution by successfully running for a third term. Uh, the current crisis, uh, the political crisis uh, in Burundi is rooted uh, in the candidacy of the current president, uh, Pierre Nkurunziza, uh, by his uh, political policy and DDFDD to a third term that was contrary to the spirit and the provision of uh, the Arusha Peace Agreement, uh, which was signed uh, in Tanzania on August 28, 2000, and also contrary to the constitution. Uh, according to this, uh, to this peace uh, agreement, especially in his Protocol 2, Article 7, Paragraph uh, paragraph 3. Uh, it says uh, no one can serve more than two presidential terms. And in case of uh, the President Kurunziza, he was first elected uh, in 2005 and uh, for, for the first term. For the second term, he was elected in 2010. So in 2015, it was a third term, as I said, contrary to the, to the, to the spirit and provision of the Arusha Peace Agreement. And how does that connect with the attempted coup that government forces put down? The relation is uh, that those behind the coup uh, claimed that uh, they wanted to restore this uh, peace uh, agreement, the Arusha peace agreement and the constitution, because uh, they, uh, they were violated by the president, Kurunziza, when he decided to run for a third term. Beyond the more than 400 deaths that we mentioned, what are the related concerns that really put Burundi uh, on the agenda at the AU summit? Uh 
I have to say uh, first that uh, those who work for the government uh, say that uh, the current crisis uh, is uh, uh, an internal crisis, so uh, it not requires any intervention of the international community, especially of the IU or from the IU, from the African Union or the United Nations. But uh, the IU uh, is concerned uh, about the current, uh, the ongoing political stalemate because of the insecurity because of the increasing of violence in the country and uh, as well the various uh, humanitarian consequences that comes with that uh, for instance uh, the internal the internal displacement and uh, the flows of refugees to the neighboring countries uh, such as uh, Tanzania or Rwanda for for instance Tanzania received more than 1000 uh, uh, people 1000 refugees uh, Rwanda received so far i think more than 8 thousand people so those uh, those consequences uh, uh, that's what uh, put Burundi on the spot of the last IU summit uh, uh, the, it was the 26th yes, uh, summit of the IU that's what put Burundi on the map Despite what Burundi's foreign minister said, you note a number of official reports uh, that you see supporting the charge that what has happened in Burundi does come under uh, the definitions of uh, genocide and crimes against humanity. Talk about the reports by the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. Uh, there were several reports uh, since uh, April 2015, uh, but one of, uh, I can say one of those reports, uh, uh, I would say the last one uh, that was released uh, on January 15th, uh, the United Nations Human Rights uh, Chief, uh, Zaid al Hussein, uh, warned that deeply worrying new trends are emerging in the uh, crisis uh, of Burundi, and uh, including uh, cases of sexual violence by security forces, which means police, the army, the secret services, uh, and also enforce uh, disappearance and torture, all, all mainly causes by those, uh, by those security forces. Also, the increasing number uh, of enforced disappearance coupled uh, with allegation of secret detention facilities and mass graves. So those are uh, the kind of crimes that are, uh, are described in the, in the last report uh, released uh, last January 15th. There was also a specific mention of the youth wing of the president's party. Yes, the youth wing, uh, which called Imbonerakure, we can, uh, it means uh, the visionary, those who see far. Yes, uh, the, the, the High Commissioner reported that in some cases, members of uh, those uh, Imbonerakure uh, forced people to dig the graves, uh, either under the threat uh, of being killed or with promises uh, that they would be paid. But also, he reported that. Uh, some of these grave diggers were sadly uh, subsequently executed after all. Uh, you also cite reports by various other UN agencies, uh, Human Rights Watch, uh, the International Federation for Human Rights. What did they say? Uh, for the the first one for the Human Rights Watch was in August 2015. Uh, 15. Uh, Human Rights Watch said that uh, it had documented more than 148 cases of arbitrary arrest, torture, or other 
killings, uh, other ill treatment of political opponents uh, between April and July 2015. Uh, on October 9th, 2015, the International Federation of Human Rights Watch said that uh, arbitrariness, violence, and impunity are, are prevailing in Burundi still today, though. So still uh, that date in October, but I can say still today, as we speak, those kind of crimes uh, are still uh, are prevailing in Burundi. But what about more recent reports by the foreign minister, among others, that the situation is a lot more calm than it had been? It's the opposite. Uh, how can it be calm when people live under the yoke of fear exacerbated by the persistence of summary executions and extrajudicial uh, mass arbitrary arrests, detention, allegation of torture, threats and intimidation? And sadly, mainly uh, those crimes are committed by the authorities in place. So for me, there is no calm uh, at all uh, in Burundi. Some analysts say there's too great a mixture of Hutu and Tutsi in the government forces and even within the opposition to make a clear case for a manhunt against Tutsi and even less for ethnic genocide. Uh, but they argue that Tutsi youth have become more prominently involved in opposition protests and attacks on government forces. How do you see it? First of all, the fact that uh, on paper, and here I underline on paper, the fact that on paper we find 50% uh, of Hutu and 50% of Tutsi within the defense and the security forces, for me it doesn't guarantee that uh, there will be no risk of ethnic-based uh, violence. Those forces are the same who committed crime, who commit still now, till now, uh, crimes against humanity against those who they are supposed to protect. So. Uh, for me, uh, to say there is a mixture of Hutu and Tutsi, uh, it, uh, it can guarantee that there, will be, uh, there won't be uh, any act of uh, crimes against humanity or genocide. For me, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not a guarantee. And also regarding the, this manhunt against Tutsi, uh, yes, there is no clear, clear evidence that uh, there is uh, a manhunt against Tutsi, but uh, some facts and statements seem to show otherwise. For example, on, on November 9th, 2015, uh, at one of the meetings of the UN Security Council, the Secretary General for Political Affairs denounced the inflammatory statement. Uh, but for me, uh, I, I qualified those statements as hate speech, uh, statement of certain authorities, uh, such as the President of the Senate of Burundi or the President of Burundi himself. Uh, those speeches... Uh, they are having a, an ethnic dimension. So in those circumstances with the growing of those kind of speeches, uh, it is wise to remain guard to avoid any surprise. Uh, so far, they are not a manhunt, a remanhunt against Tutsi, but with such uh, speeches, with such hate speeches, uh, we don't know what can come out uh, tomorrow. So let's remain on guard to, uh, to avoid any surprises. You also report an ethnic element in the reported sexual abuse of women that you mentioned. Uh, yes, uh, as uh, I said uh, in uh, his last report uh, on January 15th, uh, Zaid uh, Raidal Hussein, uh, the High Commissioner on U of Human Rights Watch, uh, said that uh, uh, the suggestion that an ethnic dimension is now starting to emerge is reinforced by uh, uh, one of the sexually abused women who said that uh, her abuser uh, 
told her that she was paying the price for being a Tutsi. So that is another example uh, related to the, to your previous question that uh, the, the, the growing of such speeches, of such facts, of such statements uh, requires from us all, from the international community, to remain on guard. Who proposed the Maprobu peacekeeping force that you think the African Union should have adopted? It's uh, the equivalent of the Security Council of the UN, but for the African Union. It is called the Peace and Security Council uh, of the uh, IU of the African Union, who, who proposed the deployment, uh, the deployment of uh, the Maprobu. And what do you expect to see in terms of diplomatic moves on which the AU did agree? Honestly, uh, it is sad, but uh, honestly, for me, nothing. And uh, I am pessimistic uh, because so far, no diplomatic moves changed anything regarding the increasing of the repression. So far, no diplomatic moves brought any solution to the source of the crisis, which is the illegal for term and the, and the repression. But uh, let me say, uh, let's give a chance uh, to, to that to those diplomatic moves and we shall see. What role do you see for the actual UN Security Council going forward? It is, uh, I hope for me that the least uh, the the United Nations Security Council can do is to make a call uh, of the responsibility to protect for Burundi uh, because the government, the current government has proved unwilling to prevent and to stop the massacres and the serious violations uh, of humanitarian law against its uh, citizens. So I hope that uh, the, uh, the division the, the, that uh, exists in the Security Council uh, will be put aside to make a call of that responsibility to protect at least for those citizens so for those uh, innocent citizens uh, to be protected so but uh, as I said uh, in your previous question uh, uh, let's wait and see a previous WPJ blog post uh, by Burundian journalist Roland Ruggiero says a crucial impediment to democracy and more immediately an end to violence is the lack of economic prospects for young people the European Union has set aside nearly $500 million for Burundi through 2020, but it has questioned the constitutionality of the presidential third term there and said the lack of good governance could jeopardize its aid. What's the latest on that, and how much do you think such aid would promote widespread prosperity and peace? Uh, first of all, uh, I think it was last week or the previous week. Uh, the last de uh, development uh, it is uh, that the UN, in his last statement on Burundi, stated that uh, it will adopt uh, the appropriate measure necessary in view of the lack of positive signals from Burundi government. Uh, the fact is uh, that the consultation, the co consultation uh, under Article 96 of the Cotonou Agreement held uh, in Brussels uh, in last December, I think it was on 8th, uh, 8th December, uh, were not able to remedy uh, Burundi's failure to respect essential elements of partnership. So uh, the European Union uh, is uh, waiting, uh, we are waiting for those appropriate measures by the, uh, by the European Union. Uh, I think uh, it, will, it can come, it will come uh, in current weeks or the 
the week start uh, next week or in two weeks. But uh, with the current government, I strongly believe that those uh, 500 million uh, euro will found repression instead of promoting prosperity and peace. Finally, what major developments do you think most likely in Burundi in the next, say, six months? Oh, tough question, but uh, let, me, uh, let me try. I think that if international community, especially the EAC, the, uh, the, the, the East African community, the African Union and the UN, if those uh, if they don't tackle the source of, this, of the current Burundi crisis, as I said, the, the illegal fertility and depression, there will be more violence. If the international community don't do nothing uh, to protect civilians, as I said, uh, by, uh, for example, make a call to the, of the responsibility to protect, uh, we will see more deaths and crimes against humanity will prevail, will continue. Finally, uh, the least, uh, but uh, last but not the least, uh, if the international community don't do anything to protect uh, civilian, the only solution for civilian uh, will be to take arms to defend themselves. Uh, as we see in the uh, last couple of weeks, uh, there, are, there is uh, two, uh, two rebellions that was created and uh, I have fear that civilians will be more and more attracted by the violence, by, uh, by using arms, by using violence to defend themselves, because uh, they don't feel protected and uh, they don't see any action from the international community to protect, uh, to protect them. But I hope we won't get there. Diplomatics or other action will do everything that needs to be done to protect uh, those civilians. But... I am pessimistic. I am pessimistic, and uh, day after day, uh, the use of violence the, is, is becoming the only option for the civilians uh, to protect themselves. But let's be optimistic, and uh, we shall see if uh, the international community will, will, uh, will act. Uh, I think today or tomorrow, uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations will visit Burundi, so we will see the outcome of uh, that visit, and uh, also next week, or I think I think this week uh, there, are, there is a high, uh, de high delegation of uh, the African Union with five presidents that will visit Burundi uh, to see how to resolve the current crisis. So we will see the outcome of those visits, of those two visits. Uh, and yesterday, the, 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 uh, the United States representative of uh, Great Lakes, uh, Tom Perriero, says that uh, the next two weeks uh, will be crucial for Burundi. So, as I said, uh, let's see uh, what, what will be the outcome, but uh, I am pessimistic uh, uh, on that. Amokar Ryumeko, thank you. Thank you. Burundi native Amokar Ryumeko is a former political advisor in the Quebec government. His recent WPJ blog post is headlined Crimes Against Humanity in Burundi. After our conversation, he corrected his estimate of refugees to 80,000 in Rwanda and 100,000 in Tanzania. And after the international VIP visits he mentioned, there was action. The UN's Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, OHCHR, agreed to send a team of special investigators to Burundi. South African President Jacob Zuma said the African Union would deploy 100 human rights observers and 100 military monitors there. 
and the regional East African community, EAC, named a new mediator for talks to end the crisis, former Tanzanian President Benjamin Makapa. Featured in the winter issue of World Policy Journal, Latin America on Life Support, you'll find articles about economic and social evolution in the region, defiance and despair in Venezuela, plus the new and old faces of Cuba and black sites on the Internet. And listen next week when our podcast will focus on deadly interactions at the Syria-Turkey border. World Policy on Air is a production of World Policy Journal at the nonprofit World Policy Institute in New York. Editor Christopher Shea, Managing Editor Yaffa Frederick, Podcast Producer Matthew DeMello. I'm David Alpern. <laughs>